You're listening to the Today's Wills and Probate podcast, one of the leading sources of information for the wills and probate sector. Don't forget to subscribe and sign up to our free newsletter at todayswillsandprobate.co.uk and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Hello and welcome to the latest Today's Wills and Probate podcast. I'm joined today by Tom Stansfield, known to many of you in the sector. Tom is the founder of Legal Growth, but we're going to go into a little bit about your background as well, Tom, and then we're going to talk a little bit about your plans for the future and also go through some ideas around marketing, because that's the idea, isn't it? Legal Growth is is all about supporting the private client and will writing community with their marketing. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Well, let's let's make a start. Tell us to start with how you first got involved in the will writing sector. Um, it's a bit of an interesting one, David, really. I, I sort of fell into it um, more than chose to join the will writing sector, uh, the estate plan sector. Um, I did a law degree. The plan was to become a solicitor, but private client probably wouldn't have been my choice. It would have probably been something uh, like commercial law. Uh, but after about six months of uni, I decided that university wasn't for me. And uh, my dad very kindly prompted me. Um, and Well, I say prompted, he poked me and told me that I was going to be staying at university. I was going to complete it. Um, thankfully, um, I was also doing a, uh, a joint honours degree with uh, business. And I love the business side of things. Uh, and then leaving university, I a friend of mine uh, who was working within the sector um, put me in touch with uh, Brian McMillan at the Society of Will Writers. I had a, an interview for a job that I didn't get um, over at the SWW Trust Corporation. Um, and and rightly so, by the way, I would have been a terrible um, uh, probate case manager. Um, but they uh, apparently saw something in me. Six years later, uh, I was a director at the Society of Will Writers with Brian. Um, and then my wife hates it when I say this, but she had a baby. Uh, we had a baby. Um, and the, the plan was then to spend a bit more time at home. And then over the course of the last sort of three, four years, um, I've worked towards uh, giving up work, so to speak, or setting up on my own uh, and doing more of what I love, which is marketing consultancy work, helping small businesses to grow. Um, and, and that led me through a path of software, legal tech software, um, helping set up a law firm, uh, you name it. So I've had tons of experience now, which is which is great. Um, but now leads us to this sort of juncture where we're just about to uh, launch a brand new exciting project. Well, that's my next question. Very neatly prompted. You talked about some of the experience you bring to the table, but what's this journey um, around setting up a new business been like for you? And tell us a little bit about what Legal Growth is, is going to be doing. The, the, the irony is I've helped lots of clients to set up businesses and I've set up businesses in the past, whether it be just starting from like from, from scratch and having no sort of corporate structure in place at all through to just doing the basics in terms of marketing and setting up a marketing strategy, marketing plan. But I've had to do everything here um, whilst sort of juggling um, existing clients, uh, consultancy clients. Um, so, but the, the plan is we've set up a uh, legal uh, marketing agency um, and primarily and, and certainly initially going to be supporting the private client sector. Um, uh, so all of my existing clients are going to move across to this brand new brand legal growth. Uh, and it does what it says on the tin. So we're going to be helping businesses that are in the legal sector with growth. And that's anything from uh, training to so going in and, and supporting their teams with, with training on, on early elements of marketing, really. And if it's not my subject, then I'll, I've, got, I've got a team of people that can support with that through to web development, um, content creation, design, you name it, anything 
relating to um, to, to legal growth. You suggested that you know you, you'd been in the will writing community and in the private client community for a little while. What are the main challenges that you see face will writers at the moment? We've been reporting in today's wills and probate on all the challenges and delays with the OPG. There's a there's there's some marketing challenges as well for small businesses in this day and age. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, for me, it's been nine years now, and uh, which is strange to, to look back on that. But um, I don't feel like a lot, a great deal has changed. Obviously, recently we've seen um, regulation crop up in the funeral planning sector, um, and there's a lot of talk about prepaid products on the horizon, I think. But in terms of the challenges that people face, and, and people, I think people are slow to adapt in our sector traditionally in the law in the legal sector um it, it's it's always been suggested certainly from a tech perspective that, that law firms perhaps lag a little bit behind when it the likes of financial firms or, or in fintech um but with regards to sort of marketing and i suppose my forte where where i see people coming in we're, we're seeing a shift now into content marketing and we're, we're probably in the midst of that now and i think there's going to be a shift more towards ai um within the marketing sector people are slow to adapt. I think people are realising perhaps that they need a bit more support or that they need to be doing more. Um, one of the main challenges I hear is that people just don't have a great deal of time. So uh, if they can address that problem or, or get the right support in place, and that's a, a very subtle plug of, of my new marketing agency, of course, um, then I think they'll have probably less problems. But with regards to the actual industry as a whole, yeah, we've, we're seeing the likes of regulation in the funeral planning sector, which has got the potential to cause a little bit of damage um and, and the likes of that really you touched on marketing there but these are small organizations playing in an increasingly large pond i think it's fair to say will writing and, and probate is is like death and taxes you know that it's not going to go away how do smaller organizations compete against those much larger organizations there's there's an opportunity there for them surely I think the question is, do they need to compete? I don't know. My perspective is a consumer doesn't know what they don't know. They think they know something from Dave down the pub and it's the will right or the estate planner, the private client solicitor's role to educate them as to the problem that they face and why they as a, as a business solve that solution. Right. The challenges that we we come across or, or that I support my clients with is just communication messages. So making sure that we get the messages out there to the right audiences at the right time. And we build what we call no like and trust. What we then do is we make it that so that the client understands that when they're ready to make that move and, and to write the will or to do their LPAs or whatever the case may be, they know who to turn to and who's trustworthy. In terms of competing with the larger businesses, I'm not sure it's entirely necessary. Um, lots of small businesses don't have the marketing spend of the likes of some of the big players in our market. Um, so there's not going to be a direct competition. And then I speak to my clients all the time and, and we'll do a bit of a back to basics sort of SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. And, and I say to them, who do you see as your direct competition? And lots of them and, and the majority of the time, somebody will say to me, we, we don't have a direct competitor. I wouldn't say that ABC Wills down the road is a, a direct competitor of ours or mine because there's plenty of fish out there. Um, and. 50 or 50% of the population don't have a valid will in place. And then we've got remarketing, so we can go back to our existing client base. So getting business in shouldn't be a problem. It's just about how we communicate it, how we build the brand and how we build that digital presence, I think, moving forward. Some listeners will be aware that I used to run a, an organisation called Solve Legal Marketing. Uh, so we, we've got some crossover there, haven't we? Um, and spoken about these challenges uh, as well. We went through a period of time where every phone call we received was from a, a firm saying 
I want Facebook marketing. And when we drilled into it, a bit like you with your SWOT analysis, they didn't really understand why they wanted Facebook marketing. They just heard it from John down the road that it had worked for his business. Um, is that something you recognize that that actually, you know, firms don't really understand what they need. They just kind of have hearsay and, and go hell for leather for it. Yeah, they'll probably see what, what another firm's doing. They might see a sponsored ad or they might see sponsored ads popping up because it's relating to what they're searching for, isn't it, online? So therefore, they see sponsored ads for wheels on Facebook or on social media and they think, do you know what? I'm missing out. My brand's not there. That's where it should be. Um, and, and like you, lots of people come to me with the same problem. It's about educating them, isn't it? So I tell them about what the problem looks like for them. So what is it they're experiencing? Typically speaking, I'd like more leads. I'm not hitting my turnover targets. My audiences aren't growing. I don't really understand marketing. And then we can sort of put a plan together as to how we can solve that problem for them, how we can build a digital footprint, where they can be more visible online. But the key thing for me and my clients or helping clients out is that I want them to understand it as we go through. I want them to know why we're taking the steps that we're taking. And then should I get hit by a bus um, and they decide that they want to take the marketing on themselves, they know exactly what they're required to do moving forward. I mean, fingers crossed I'm not going to get hit by a bus, but, you know. <laughs> Perhaps I can ask you a question. You're more than welcome to. With, with relating to marketing in the sector, there's plenty of marketing firms, but very few that do what you and I do in terms of supporting specifically the legal sector. There are lots of practitioners out there, lots of social media marketers who believe that they've got a solution for everything. Not always the case. And it takes them time to understand our industry. Have you seen that? And also, what, what have you been able to do to support clients and what the, the problems that you've seen that you've been able to help overcome? Turning the tables on me, Tom, we've we've gone down the road of really paring down what we do. Uh, we 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 lost some of our expertise through the course of the pandemic, which was very sad. Uh, so we've focused instead on what we do best, which is building out content for law firms uh, and, uh, and and suppliers of legal services. And that specialism is is just so critical. And it actually links back to some of what you said there around the, the Facebook marketing side of things. Historically, you used to have the, the the market marketing manager in the firm who perhaps organized the summer barbecue, uh, you know, organized a handful of networking events um, and had really taken on the role of, of marketing manager by virtue of the fact that they were quite good at organizing stuff. It wasn't a specialist role. Increasingly, you're seeing it being a much it being recognized as a much more specialist role. As you say, there's digital avenues. And so you're seeing this rise of the digital marketing manager. And uh, interestingly, and, and I saw a survey that was run by the Law Firm Marketing Club uh, a couple of weeks ago, the seniority of marketing uh, roles in legal organizations is uh, moving up the hierarchy. So they are now sitting at a more senior level within organizations, uh, helping to uh, drive and, and implement change within the organization. Uh, and specifically, one of the conversations I had recently with somebody was around onboarding. Actually, onboarding is a marketing process because it's all about holding your client's hand through what is often a very, very difficult time for them, writing a will as you say, you know, you've got 50% of the population that don't have a valid one. 
it's quite a complicated process and at times it can be quite emotional taking somebody through an lpa similarly trusts taking somebody through probate is incredibly challenging and therefore the role of the firm and and the marketeer in the firm is to help the firm to smooth that process and ultimately make that uh, we'll call it the client journey which is a terrible marketing phrase but make that client journey so much smoother for the for the end user so in terms of the challenges that i've seen i think it's been around customer service and really helping firms to understand that marketing is as much about what you do internally as it is about what you do externally i couldn't agree more actually uh, w- one of my frustrations uh, and it's something that i'm going to try to overcome within our sector um is that people see marketing as advertising they confuse the two the lines are blurred um it's true obviously advertising does form part of the marketing mix so to speak the routes to market but i want people to understand uh, certainly from the top down too uh, i'd like people to understand that marketing's all encompassing it encompasses branding it encompasses communication it encompasses um physical advertising and a traditional sort of routes to market once we get that established i think then it's going to be easier for the, the marketing manager to understand what they need to be able to do or how they're able to communicate that up to the top so to speak um to be able to get either the right budgets in place or to bring in the right people to help uh, again that's another thing that lots of marketing managers are perhaps a little bit fearful of bringing any outside help they want to try and control everything with regards to the marketing in-house um whereas what they can do is they can outsource elements of the job i mean if somebody said to me can you come on board just to provide a little bit of marketing training i'm not going to go in there and pick faults and say do you know what we could help you with social media we could help you with uh, a brand new website because ultimately if they don't need that if it ain't broke don't fix it so to speak but i think i think that's one of the things that i'd like to see people overcome certainly within our sector it's interesting we've been chatting now for 15 or so minutes uh about marketing but not talked about sales because they're two completely separate disciplines but are often confused as one and the same sales and marketing often gets lumped together what's your view on where the line of differentiation is have you heard of a, an author called marcus sheridan he wrote a book called they ask you answer um i uh i've listened to that book audiobook um three or four times now um and the, the idea behind that is that essentially what we're trying to do is we answer all of the questions that they ask you answer we, we're trying to answer all of the questions that a prospect could possibly have um and that's by way of communication the marketing piece uh, before they're ready to purchase and then when they call us or they call the firm in question um, they then speak to the sales department uh, i think there's a clear line in, in between the two and i say that tongue in cheek, so to speak, because I, I appreciate lots of my clients are either one man bands or maybe they've got five or six members of the team. So smaller end of the SME market. Um, so they probably don't see that, that that distinct line like perhaps I do or perhaps, perhaps you do. I think there needs to be a distinct line. I think they need to understand that there's two separate processes when it comes to marketing and sales. Somebody said to me the other day, marketing is about um, leading a horse to water and sales is about making it drink which I thought was quite an interesting analogy. Uh, but yeah, I think there is a distinct line uh, and I think we could do more. Maybe myself uh, um, and the legal growth team here, um, maybe we could do a little bit more to, to help clients or prospective clients of ours to, to understand what that really, really means. Have you made the distinction between sales and marketing? What are your marketing top tips? Oh, good question. Um, I don't know where to start. I mean, for me, I'd like people to understand that 
uh, you launch into a marketing and advertising campaign, for example, so you put a post out and you boost it on social media, that doesn't mean you're going to get business from it. Ultimately, first tip is that people need to understand that um, it takes between six and it's now six and ten. Apparently, I was speaking to a um, a salesperson in the in the legal sector um, uh, earlier this week, a gentleman called Scott Simmons. And he he uh, he told me that it's eight to ten touches. I've always understood it to be six touches. But if we take between six and ten touches anyway, um, long winded answer here, right? Um, but it takes six touches before somebody knows you, likes you and trusts you enough to part with their hard earned cash on your products and service. So first tip is we need to have continuity in our marketing. And in doing so, we can't expect everything that we do to work straight away. Some of it's brand building, some of it's brand continuity and it's, it's getting our name out there. Um, so that would be tip number one, I suppose. Uh, tip number two is to build a decent digital profile, a digital footprint. So be seen as many places as you possibly can be. So that's having your presence on social media and with social media, making sure that you're on that consistently. It might be twice a week, once a week, whatever it is. But at least you're putting content out there that's relevant and engaging. Right. Um, but having that consistent thing will help with the brand building, thing, uh, brand building point too. Uh, and then I suppose third tip. Um, I would suggest maybe looking at some some sort of video content certainly in 2022 uh, i think it's going to be important it's going to be an important part of the the, the marketing strategy uh, moving forward so yeah i would i would tell people to start looking at video content i uh, read a, a chinese proverb which i've used extensively now which is the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago the second best time is now absolutely uh, and I think from a, a marketing point of view, that's a really good way of thinking about the activity that we do. It's not an overnight success. We shouldn't expect it to be an overnight success. I think that's definitely one of the pitfalls that people find. Um, going back to some of the paid advertising that we were talking about, uh, I was chatting with somebody a long time ago now and they sort of asked them whether they'd found paid advertising worked for them. And they said, no, he said, I I put fifty pounds in and nothing happened. That's a frustration. I bet you I bet you that person probably didn't have a sales funnel on the other side of that on the other side of their advertisement, did they? P possibly not. We we didn't end up going into a huge amount of detail because as as you and I know, that level of investment simply doesn't cut the mustard on paid advertising. You know, you do need consistent uh, and decent investment. Uh, in uh, in that in that channel, but there are definitely ways that you can spend your money very effectively and get return on investment. And as you say, uh, really capture both sides of of the marketing function and then and then the sales funnel function as well. I mean, likewise, there's ways that you can grow your business organically without spending money on paid ads. You can spend time. So the small business marketing principles about investing time over expenditure. So let's spend a bit more time on the business. And I know it's a valuable resource for many small business owners, but we can allocate time, whether it be half an hour a day to business development work and, and actually physically marketing the business so that we start to build that awareness and get people through the door. Uh, and that works just as effectively. And I advocate that as much as possible. I don't expect people to come to me and spend thousands on search, uh, search engine optimization or social media marketing. If we can do something that that meets their objectives more cost effectively. If we were, for example, to allocate some time each day to perhaps put a post on LinkedIn, but really focus on making sure that it was an engaging post, it, it, it demonstrated some expertise, it demonstrated that no like trust approach, that's a worthwhile investment of your time. 
Oh, I would say so. I, I would say that, again, like SEO, it's going to take a little bit of time for that to catch. Uh, you need to be posting out to an audience. So um, spending time as well as putting that relevant, engaging content out there, building your audience with with people that either have got the audience that you want. So manipulating that, so to speak, um, or growing your audience with, with people that you want to get in front of. Uh, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be vital for, for longer term growth. Well, there you are. There's an extra top tip from uh, from Tom as well. So thanks for that, Tom. Thank uh, you. That's kind of as much as we've got time for uh, on this podcast. As I said, the tables have turned today. Uh, normally, I ask the questions, but uh, you've you've thrown one back at me today. So it's been it's been really interesting to chat. Thank you very much indeed. The today's Wilson Probate podcast is available on your preferred podcast provider. Tom, it's been a delight to have you on. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, David. Appreciate it. Uh, and all the very best with legal growth as well. Sounds like a great venture. And uh, thank you very much indeed to everybody for listening in. Keep your ears out for future podcasts. All the best. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Today's Wills and Probate podcast, one of the leading sources of information for the wills and probate sector. Don't forget to subscribe and sign up to our free newsletter at todayswillsandprobate.co.uk and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.